Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Jordana Levine, and you're listening to the Inspired Table podcast. Each week, you'll be led down an inspired path of curiosity as I chat to some of my favorite soul-centered folk about the things that inspire me daily in the hope that some of that juicy inspiration will rub off on you. So pour yourself your favorite cuppa and take a seat at my table. I promise you'll leave happier, healthier, and bursting with inspiration. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Inspired Table podcast. Now, I want to start today's podcast episode a little bit differently with a breathing exercise. Now, if you're at home or at work, perfection. I want you to take a few minutes to get comfy and close your eyes. And you can totally do this at your desk. We're not going to be here for long. Um, But if you're driving or perhaps out walking or a run, that is absolutely no problems. You can totally do this exercise too. But please promise me you'll keep your peepers open. Safety first. Okay, we're good. If you need to pause the podcast, do it. It's totally worth it. Okay, I want you to start by focusing on your natural breath. Don't change it in any way. Just observe the inhale and the exhale. Is one longer than the other? Is one easier than the other? Do you pause at all between each breath? No judgment, just observe. Now for the next few breaths, I want you to follow my guidance. What we're going to be doing is we're going to breathe in for the count of four, hold at the top of the breath for the count of two, exhale for the count of six, and then pause at the bottom of the breath for the count of two. So let's just clear our lungs out with one deep breath in and a loud, audible sigh out. And then we're going to breathe in for one, two, three, four. Pause at the top for one, two. Exhale for one, two, three, four five, six, pause, one, two, inhale, one, two, three, four, pause at the top, one, two, exhale, one, two, three, four, 
five, six. Pause, one, two. Inhale, one, two, three, four. Pause, one, two. Exhale, one, two, three, four, five, six. Pause, one, two. Inhale, one, two, three, four. Pause, one, two. Exhale, one, two, three, four, five, six. Pause, one, two. Last round, inhale, one, two, three, four. Pause, one, two, exhale, one, two, three, four, five, six. Pause, one, two. Now take a deep breath in and a loud, audible sigh out. And come back to your natural breath. And a really good example of that is that little exercise that we just did with the breath. Who struggled with the pauses at the top and base of the inhale and exhale? I always struggle at the base before the next inhale. I'm so eager to take a new breath, an inevitable new breath, it's coming, but I get so uncomfortable pausing before it. So the breath is a really great example of the cyclical nature of the human spirit and it can be applied to almost everything. The inhale is how we receive. The pause at the top is how we sit with our receptiveness. How do we respond to it? The exhale is how we give or do or act. And the pause at the bottom is how we sit with that action before we're able to fill up and receive again. It's those moments in between that are the sticky ones. They're the ones that we don't have a manual for. We know how to be excited and we know how to be disappointed, but few of us know how to just be. I was trying to think back to the first time that cycles began to fascinate me. Um, And I pinpointed the moment when I left my corporate job. Now, I'd actually floated in and out of corporate life a few times before I left full time. Um, But there was this particular job that I was at, which was considered to be a dream job. And there was no way that I could stay in it because I was wildly distraught most days (laughs) and very stressed and I had to get out. But there was this fear, this fear of the unknown. And I think that that moment where we don't know what's going to happen is a really great way of describing the pauses. 
because the scariest part of leaving a job or a relationship or any major decision is the fear of the unknown. Those moments between the next job or relationship. And the same can be said for intentions and manifestation. We realize an intention and then there's this period between the realization of it and the manifestation of it where we don't know what to do. We kind of flounder and we second guess it. We start to retreat. We change our minds. Was it the wrong decision? Was it the right decision? So what we're going to do during this episode is explore this idea further. But I want you to begin to observe how you treat those transitional moments. I cornered some of my gal pals to ask them how they deal with the 50,000 shades of grey between light and dark moments in life. And what was quite interesting is that they, like many people I speak to about this, view those transitional moments as moments we need to escape and moments that aren't ideal. And it was only once I made them look at it from a different angle that they could see how beneficial those pauses are. Here's what they had to say. So I thought it might be nice to talk about the ways that you guys deal with the moments in between the climactic moments in life. So like when things are really exciting, we know what we want to do. And when things are really disappointing, we kind of know how we should react. But how do we deal with stuff when it's just like easy peasy normal and it's not exciting or disappointing or happy or sad or hot or cold or light or dark. It's just baseline. Yeah. Baseline. Does that make you feel nervous? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I think the way I cope with those sorts of situations is um, I'm far more aware of them now, now that I've learnt about them in the last year. And I've kind of, I often, I'll either go and journal when I feel like things are a bit flat and I'm, I'm trying to bring myself back in mm. or I share it with my partner. So I, I'm just, you know, I talk about it more and I know that it's totally normal. And I also schedule in days or dates with my friends who are like-minded or a lunar nights event. And I know that that would be the build up, you know, so that space in between is just bubbling away so that I can kind of blossom mm. again in the next cycle. Mm. Yeah. I think having, yeah, like-minded people to speak to is really important. And that's something that I've really found through this circle and through the lunar night circle, because you just are on the same page to start with. And then they've, because we've become really close, you sort of check in all the time. And so you've always got that support network and if something goes a bit off and I mean like you can't be on your meditation cushion and thinking about this stuff all the time so Mm. you know how one thing for me is like how do I show up just every day and then how do you keep that in alignment with what you want to be doing or the things you want to be feeling and then having the support network around you to talk about it too is really lovely Mm. I um I feel like if I get stuck in that in between, it can very easily kind of keep flowing that way unless I do book in with a lunar nights or if we have one of these dinners that kind of almost I don't know, it's like a refreshing 
you know, it gives you that buzz to, to get back into that. Um, I don't even know what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say, but I'm the type of person that I feel like I can get lazy if I don't have these things booked in. Yeah. It's like accountability Um, almost, but not in a weird, like, not in a bad way, not in a bad way. It's just like, we're all growing, but we're growing almost together. Yeah. Like, yeah. And we've got each other to bounce off and, you know, if something goes a bit shit one day or, you know, we're not, something didn't feel quite right. We've got each other to, you know, go, guys, this thing happened. Yeah. What the hell? Or I reacted like this or, you know, and just sort of check in and see where, where we're at. Mm. It's funny though, like the more I speak to people about this pause or this in-between space, the more, and you guys I think are the same, the more we kind of think of it as something we need to get out of yeah. and remedy. Mm. Do you mean like the the in-between bit is sort of being like the days where you just like can't quite get your shit together? Or no, like- I mean more like, oh, um, you know, I got all these phone calls today about this great job you know mm. and this is all the exciting things that happened today and then tomorrow there's no phone calls mm. yeah nothing's going wrong everything's fine but nothing exciting's happened and i'm sort of used to excitement mm. and then maybe the next day there's drama and everything's going bad mm. and you know nothing's so great and it's that that moment in between where it's like i wish i'd just kind of lent into that a bit more yeah. instead of wishing it away you know? It's like really living in the present moment and being like not wishing for something bigger or, you know, just like lo- yeah. enjoying the in-between bits. Yeah. So, sometimes it's actually nice just having a day where things aren't happening. Yeah. yeah. Totally. And, and kind I, of a refreshing break. Yeah. yeah. I also think those, those days where things are shit, they're the days that you have to look at. They're the yeah. days that you have to look at how you react. Totally. You know, like they're the if, ones where you grow the most, I think. Absolutely. Like if you're throwing a tantrum, I mean, I don't want to say that that's a sign of weakness, but you really have to look at how you handle those situations mm. because it's not all, you know, sunshine, lollipops and roses. You'll notice Lunar Nights was mentioned a few times in that conversation, and that's because these cyclical moments are always a point of discussion at the events. And I often use the moon as a really good way to describe these life cycles. So originally it was believed that our ancestors favoured the lunar cycle over the solar cycle. Now, our calendar in modern day society is run by the solar calendar. That's how we get the months. That's how we get the years. That's how we get the seasons. But our ancestors followed the lunar cycle because it was very similar to our own life cycle. Birth, growth, decay, death, and then rebirth. And unlike the sun, which retains its form, sure, it disappears into the earth overnight and then shines bright the next day, but it's in exactly the same form as the day before. Whereas the moon goes through many different phases and life forms similar to our own. It was thought that humans could relate better to the moon's lifespan 
than we could the suns. Makes sense, right? And the reason that I love working with the moon is because it emphasizes that we are all part of an inevitable natural cycle. And just like the seasons, our bodies, the sun, the lunar phases encourage us to tap into life's rhythms. There's this constant ebb and flow to everything that exists within our universal ecosystem. We see it in nature. We see it in the foods that we eat. We see it in our energy, our emotions, in our menstrual cycles. And the moon is just another reflection of this. And what concentrating on and following these cycles does is allows us to surrender to the natural rhythm and take advantage of the moments within the cycle that promote growth and expansion, as well as those moments that require some inner reflection and surrender. And I tell you, once you start to notice these cycles, you can't unnotice them. So, you know, if we look at a year in the calendar, January, February, March, I won't go through them all, but you get to December. And then what do you know? You always come back to January. There's almost this reliability in the cycles so that you can take chances in life because you always get another chance to try again. It's the same with the moon. We go new moon. We move through the first waxing phases of the cycle. We hit the full moon. We go through the waning phases of the cycle. And then we always hit the new moon again. We always have another chance. The seasons, summer, autumn, winter, spring, we always come back. The day we start in the morning with the rising of the sun, the sun will set. We go to sleep and what do you know? The sun will always rise again. A clock, the minute hand, the second hand, they always do a lap. They always come back to 12. Our breath, which we started with at the beginning of this podcast. The inhale, the exhale, and always followed by another inhale. So Samantha Nolan Smith explains the way the breath can be likened to our approach to money. And it's a really good example because as I said earlier, our breath can be likened to many a cycle within our life. So the way that she describes the breath in relation to money is the inhale is us receiving money. The pause at the top is how we hold on to that money. The exhale is the way that we spend money. And the pause at the bottom is that moment before the money comes back in again. Can you find comfort in that moment? That is a hard one. It's spending the money and trusting that the cycle of money, just like every other cycle, means it has to come in again. It is inevitable. Can you sit in that moment before payday? and feel okay. It's really tricky. On a really personal note, I struggle with the pause at the top. I struggle with feeling okay holding on to money that has just come in. I feel quite anxious with it. I feel like this sort of um, anxiety of will I do the right thing 
on the exhale? Will I spend that money wisely? Will I spend that money and it won't come in? So I have issues at the pause at the top and the pause at the bottom. Can you relate to that? Can you find comfort in those pauses? The same can be said for relationships. The inhale is how we receive love. The pause at the top is holding on to that love, sitting in it, basking in that love. The exhale is how we give love. And the pause at the bottom is being okay with having given love without yet receiving it. Can you sit in that moment of giving pure love without having to get any in return, knowing that you inevitably will? So it wouldn't be a podcast about transitions and spaces in between without relating it to the practice of yoga. So vinyasa yoga in particular is all about flow and you often hear teachers talking about the transitions in between the poses being just as important as the poses themselves. I actually I actually love many of the transitions in yoga more than the poses. There's this kind of lightness and buoyancy to them, however fleeting. But also when done without presence or without grace can be completely clunky and rather unco. I bet you can relate to that. So I asked one of my yoga teachers and friends, Ali Clark, to chat to me about transitions and what we can learn about them through the practice of yoga. The transitions between the yoga postures are really, really important, um, particularly in the, in, the, in the vinyasa flowing style that we practice. They almost bring the, the pause that you need before you go deep. Mm. They give you the chance to, to create something that is really slow and really thoughtful and very graceful as well. And I think that there is a real, a real beauty in those moments because they're preparing you, they're preparing your body, they're preparing your mind to transition into a place where you are, I guess, I guess really ready to experience something big. It's kind of like being on the, on the plateau. I love that because we can, we can bring it back to everyday situations in life so easily it's sort of like you know that big deep breath you take before you take a leap into the unknown or you know that moment before you start a new job when you've just left one or a new relationship or you know anything that's sort of new and almost fearful because in a way well not fearful but something that we just we we don't know how it's going to turn out and I guess I guess that's what a yoga pose is like like it's never going to be the same as it was the last time that we did it so there is this sense of not knowing what's going to happen when you get there definitely yeah I love that um so my actually it's funny because my favorite yoga my favorite thing in yoga is not actually an asana itself it's that transition between um trikonasana and half moon pose 
Just that, <laughs> that, you know, that leap that you take? Yes. There's something about that, that just the, the moment in between leaving Trikonasana and before you land in Half Moon, that is actually my favourite bit of a vinyasa sequence. That's so funny because I often call Adha Chandrasana my nemesis pose. Oh, really? Yeah, I find that transition quite difficult because you have to be really balanced. Yeah. You have to be looking and focused on where you're going. And you do have to take that moment where you lift that back foot off the ground, you step out of your security and your safety, and you really leap sort of you leap forward into this new pose where you're balanced and once you get into the pose it's beautiful but there is that moment of uncertainty before you get there that can be quite you know it's quite a stretch you have to take a deep breath and I guess I guess that's another factor in it right is is the breath in between the moments as well because yoga is so much about you know um one sort of one movement per breath well vinyasa is so the transitional moments they're almost in between the breath aren't they they're the pauses in between the inhale and the exhale in a way yeah they can be absolutely and i think that you you use them to help you to float they take you out of of the last pose and they bring you into the into the next one so you really can ride that wave of the breath to get you there yeah, I love that. I love the idea of the float too, like that sort of, it's that trusting moment, right, where you're sort of not quite on the ground and not sort of up in the air. It's just that in between. Absolutely. What's your favourite transition, do you think? Mm, I have a couple. I love the transition from a reverse trikonasana into triangle. I think it's so incredibly graceful. And um, my other favourite one, it's often called foot dog or... Um, it's a it's a variation of, of a side plank, but it's a very deep back bend and it's a balance and you really are exposed. You really have to lift yourself up from the stability of your feet and your hand anchored on the ground to find that that rise. Mm. Yeah, that is that is actually such a beautiful pose. I've actually cried many times in that pose. <laughs> it kind of cracks you open, doesn't it? It really does. Your shoulder blades plug right back into the you know, into the back of your lungs and your heart and just pop you right open. If today's episode has resonated with you and you live in Sydney, I would love to have you along to one of my lunar nights. We run them monthly on or around the new moon. Um, we explore this topic a lot and in a lot more detail. And I think for me, once I started to tap into these cycles and lean into those transitional moments, my entire life changed. Now, I mentioned earlier that I kind of discovered this when I had left my corporate job, but it was only in the last 12 months that I've been doing lunar nights regularly and honoring the new moon that I have really seen how effective this trust and surrender to the cyclical natures of the universe is. And it's very profound, the adjustments and the effect that it has on the human spirit and how I approach those really tough, 
difficult moments in my life that I used to run from. If you're not based in Sydney, there's a few options for you. I do have a Lunar Nights e-course, but it's only going to be available for a few more months because I'm actually reinventing it. It's only $49.95 at the moment, which is a great price. So if you're desperate to get started on leaning into the moon cycles, then I suggest you download that. There's guided meditations, there's beautiful worksheets, there's intention setting exercises. But what I'm working on now, and it will be out by the end of the year, is a beautiful program, an online program that will help you dive deep into life's natural cycles. And when we can honor those, lean into them, trust and surrender into them, life flows so much more freely with so much ease and so much grace. I will keep you up to date when that program is available. Um, in the meantime, I've got Inspired Lunar Nights has a great Facebook group. Um, it's a private group, but you just need to ask to join and I'll let you in. And we talk about all this sort of stuff in there. It's a really great place to connect with like-minded people. I talk about cycles. I talk about the moon phases. I pull tarot cards every week. It's a really fun place to hang out. Um, and that group will be the first to know when that program is live. To finish up this episode, I want to leave you with a beautiful story that Ali told me um, that was passed on from her dad when she was going through a transitional phase in her life. And I think it's a really beautiful um, analogy for transitions. Um, and it's a really nice way to sum up what I hope has been a really eye-opening and heart-opening episode for you. had a really interesting conversation with my dad and we write each other letters he's a he's a beautiful letter writer and he wrote to me last year when I was transitioning from my full-time job uh, as the marketing manager at Body Mind Life into teaching at Body Mind Life and doing my own business with websites and design and I said to him you know dad I'm sort of in this place where I think I'm ready to jump but I'm I'm not quite sure I feel like I'm in this pause phase and um he said to me that he said he likens it to Bilbo Baggins and he said that in the Hobbit there's this phrase they say that they're sort of in their in their safe spot and they're sniffing the wind and bringing all of their sort of safety and security points around them and preparing for you know preparing for the journey so that when they do set off they're so ready and and I know that I don't know it just really spoke to me it was such a simple kind of silly reference yeah I mean no not yes silly but no <laughs> yes profound I think it's great yeah and just this idea of you know you have to have those spots that are a little bit more dormant or uncomfortable or transitional so that you have the strength to move into the big poses or the big leaps yeah, I, I guess in a way it's sort of like um, it's like the hibernation of winter before spring or, you know, um, the passive yin energy that we need to feel in order to be able to embrace a yang energy. It's the same. It's the same kind of philosophy, isn't it? Always. You always need that balance. Hold up. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.